Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dogs Be Geeks. Nikki here. Britt, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. You are geeking out right now. I am geeking out. So hardcore. I am geeking out. Um, if y'all were not just on Instagram with us, now I say just on Instagram with us, you'll get this like three hours after the fact we were on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But we went live um, because uh, we are at Spurrier's Grid Iron Grill in Gainesville, Florida. Um, and most of you probably know, maybe not. I don't know. I'm a huge Florida Gator fan, and so is Brittany. But I'm also, we're both huge Steve Spurrier fans. And uh, in his restaurant, he has a podcast room where he records his podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, guess where we are? We are in said podcast room. And um, I'm going to say it was confirmed that I am sitting in the chair. And the microphone that Steve Spurrier has used, and whether he has or not, I'm going to go with it. Well, so, I mean, staff said yes. So, thanks, Louise. Even uh, if yeah. you're lying, I appreciate you making me feel good. <laughs> also, though, uh, super big shout out to the staff of Spurriers who are super kind and helpful. And uh, thanks for letting us do this. This is awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean. They, they have it to where you can um, reserve the room. And so we sent uh, an email last week. It was like, okay, give us the details. Mm-hmm. And basically it was simple of when what do you, do you need? Yeah. When, do you, when do you want it? <laughs> when do you want to do it? Um, when we came to dinner here last night, uh, there was um, someone recording in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we're doing it today during lunch. Uh, and they're not open during lunch uh, during the week. So no one's here today except some staff members. But yeah, the staff is just great here. Oh yeah, uh, the food's phenomenal. Five star drinks are drinks are amazing. Yeah, I mean the the kick. Yeah, um, I I did not have the first time we came here, but last night I had one. I was a little nervous because it was just uh, ghost tequila, and I know I'm not going to say this word right. Ogiat, ogiat, ogiat. Okay. I literally have no idea. <laughs> it's some type of almond flavoring, and then lime juice. In a rock glass. 
And girl got pretty. It kicked my ass. Yeah. It was called the kick for Steve Spurrier's famous kick. Yeah. You can go look that up to yes. see what that what that means. That reference it is. kicked my ass. Yeah. I had two. I mean, I had some drinks before yeah. that, but I wasn't like drunk. Sorry, just, you know. sorry to you, non football, non Florida, non sports fans. Uh, go sports. We are we are definitely uh, total geeks about co- college sports in general, but yeah. uh, especially our our Florida football and Florida softball. So this is. This is huge. This is huge. For us, I mean. Yeah, for some of y'all, y'all like, please. I mean, like, my dad is like, whatever. I can't believe you spent money down there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, and the last time we were here, it was for our anniversary and uh, my birthday. Mm -hmm. But for our anniversary, my mom called and, and, uh, you know, I say spent my dad's money. But, I mean, obviously my mom has her own money. But I just thought it was funny that he had to, that he paid Spurrier's for our dinner. Yeah. I'm just going to hold on to that. I'm sure he was devastated i know he's probably like uh, i'm not spending my money there's a good chance he went and drank himself he probably did yeah you know he probably did and that's all right to sleep that night (laughs) maybe some tears were shed that's all right so we uh uh, and we giggle though because um obviously steve is from tennessee um, not too far from where i i was born and raised in north carolina it's just sort of over the line and so um and Nikki's dad obviously is from Tennessee, is a huge Tennessee fan. And they they look alike. It's creepy. They they have a lot of the same mannerisms. Yep. Um, they're both really quick witted and her dad hates hates Florida and hates Steve Spurrier, even though they are so much alike. Yes. And it's really I think your dad's just like Dude, you should have come to Tennessee. Exactly. Most, I think most Tennessee fans are pissed when he they're didn't just jealous. Go to Tennessee, they're just right? jealous. Yeah. So, and then whenever he left Tennessee to coach, or not even just left Tennessee, but I mean, not even to play at Florida, but to coach Florida, which is one of Tennessee's biggest rivals. Yeah. Now, they're not a rival to us anymore because you know they haven't been very good, um, at least in football. Right. But I think everywhere else, um, you know. Tennessee fans really don't like Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the most people either love Steve Spurrier or hate Steve Spurrier. Yeah, there's not much of an in-between there. There's not much of an in-between. Um, I, for one, love Steve Spurrier. Um, I call him Uncle Steve just to irritate my dad because I do think that they look alike. Um, we, we should post we that. We should, like, post the Yeah, side we'll post that on the side-by-side. The only thing, if my dad would wear a visor. Oh, yeah. We could would totally, look, they would look identical. We could totally... Yeah, make yeah. that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other one that you should post that I meant we meant to bring and I left it in the hotel room was the year that for Halloween you dressed as the Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. and I dressed as Steve Spurrier with the headset visor and everything. It was fantastic. It really um, was. The only issue is so I I sprayed my spray painted my costume bronze yes. and uh, did not let that air out long enough so. <laughs> Halfway through our Halloween party, I uh, straight up was like hallucinating from some spray paint fumes. You love it. Spray. So I had to go. I had to, and I'm covered in like bronze uh, oil makeup, and I'm like, ah, man, I got to go get all this off. This is. It was amazing. This is dangerous. Yeah. It was amazing. I couldn't quite pick you up and hold you like the Heisman Trophy, but well, let's be real. That thing's heavy anyway. We managed. We managed some good some good photos. Yeah. So we'll have to post those. Um, I meant to 
bring it. I had it to bring with me um, so you guys could see it live. And, you know, just in case Uncle Steve showed up, Uncle he Steve. could sign it. Um, I got my visor. He can sign that. Uh, yeah, so he does actually come to his restaurant, him and Jerry. So, you know, one day it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. We're going to be here a couple more times this week. So, yes. <laughs> going to yes. hit visors, the rooftop bar. Yes. So, so. anyway, uh, we'll get into what we're going to talk about because uh, right. we've, we've had this. Um, we've had questions about this from listeners several times and, uh, you know, it's time to address it. So, and what is that, that we are addressing if you do not see the title? Yeah, we are talking, uh, prey drive, uh, as Nikki calls it, hunt drive as well. Drive in general, general. reactivity. Um, I know we've touched on reactivity in the past, um, but I think there are some times where prey drive and reactivity sort of get a little confused. There's a you know, yes, fine line there between which is which. So we're going to talk about that and sort of how to how to deal with things just to keep your dog safe, um, keep other wildlife safe. Uh, you know, your dog not getting run over by a car, mm. um, those sorts of things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes, uh, because I think that. A lot of people confuse prey drive and reactivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think reactivity, and we'll get into it, but reactivity is not necessarily a derivative of prey drive. Mm-hmm. And prey drive doesn't always turn into reactivity. Mm-hmm. So I do think that it's going to be very interesting to see, uh, you know, for people to see that they're, it, there could be a big difference. And for them to sit back and go, okay, which one does my dog have? Right. Because yeah depending on what you have, could depend on how you handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk about some things on, on handling it. And just know that with drive in general, um, you're going to be managing more than anything. This is this is not, we're not going to teach you how to fix your dog's prey drive. There, that's not going to happen. Fix your dog's reactivity, yes. Um, manage prey drive, manage drive in general. Um, but prey drive seems to be the one that kind of sticks out that people are like, oh, this is what's happening here. But dogs have all kinds of drive. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, you've got drive with a dog who is like, I'm going to get that ball. I'm going to do this. And and that has a lot to do with problem solving as well. Um, when you when there's a drive and a desire to get to something or to do do something, prey drive typically has to do with something living Correct me if I'm wrong. That they're, <laughs> I'm going to let you go with this, and this is good. Uh, living. That they're trying to... So they're homicidal maniacs? Is maybe that what not, we're talking about maybe here? Maybe not make living anymore. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's that's what dogs do. That's how, before we domesticated them, they had to hunt. Yep. And that is still innate and uh, part of what they do. So Absolutely, because if they could not hunt or they didn't have good prey drive... Um, you are going to, um, you're going to die. Yeah. Right. Your family can't uh, succeed. You're not going to succeed. So that drive has to be there uh, for survival. Right. Exactly. I mean, and again, and that's where it's dogs that have that control. um, And I think that, and and again, these are going to be some of my thoughts. Uh, I don't have any scientific never done research um, or, or done a study. But I think that when you have dogs that are undomesticated, so our street dogs, world dogs, 
they're not they have a prey drive that's controlled they hunt and and chase down and attack uh, and kill and, and consume only what they need like they, so they could if they went out early that morning and got uh, you know a good rabbit and they ate then they could probably lay there and let five rabbits pass them without feeling the need to go after. Right, exactly. It's something that's been satisfied. So, and they do it for a purpose. Where our domesticated dogs, I think they have this innate desire, and they don't understand why, because we give them food. Um, but we ha- they have this innate desire to do it, and they don't know why, but it's because they never get satisfied, which is why it's across the board. Mm-hmm. Right, So it's like, if our dog can go and, and chase a squirrel and kill it and eat it, I don't think that they would be the feeling the need to chase everything, mm-hmm. right? It's like if Isabella having the herding drive that she has, if she had an opportunity to maybe do some herding of sheep um, or cows or goats, um, you know, I mean, anything like that, would she have the need to um, herd the cats, right? For an example, mm-hmm. or herd a car. So if other Which, luckily, herding breeds, she does she not, does do not thank goodness. <laughs> but I do know a lot of herding dogs that when they go on walks, they're trying to attack, in, in clients' words, attack mm-hmm. every car that drives by. Right. Um, and the, really the fact is they're just trying to herd that and, and control it because mm-hmm. they're controlling. But if we give them opportunity to get have an outlet that is safe – and not just an outlet where they can do it and not get uh, a reward, but an outlet where they actually get a reward. Mm-hmm. And I think that would make a huge difference in a lot of people with these dogs that have these high drives. Um, but let's talk about what let's you know let's start out with what drives. What what does drive mean? And it's really it's a it's a really simple thing. When we talk about drives. It's just that strength of desire. All right, it's a strength of desire to get something, do something, you know. Humans have drive. We know some humans have no drive. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But some I, dogs some dogs have no drive. Exactly. And and there are definitely some, you know, some low-driven dogs and high-driven dogs. And you know, when we look at like those high-drive dogs across the board, I'm thinking high arousal breeds, right? Belgian Malinois. Mm-hmm. Um and I, this is just drive in general. This is not a prey drive specifically, just drive in general. Um, I'm thinking Malinois, uh, your low drive dogs would be like a Cavalier King Charles. Um, That's just kind of like, hey. She's you. She's you. Most of the time. But they're just more lap dogs, right? They're just like, they weren't bred to do anything for humans. Uh, Where other dogs were bred to help hunt, um, to feed the family, you know that was kind of the thing. Is they they use these dogs to to feed their family, right? And that's how we domesticated them. Uh, they had to serve a purpose for us. And now uh, we have a lot of people that uh, they don't want dogs for a job. They just want the lap dog. They just want that company, right? And so I think that if you're looking for that, of course, you you guys hear me talk about it all the time. If you're looking for something like that, then you need to. Find the right dog for you, the right breed, the right mix of breeds. Don't say, oh, I want a lap dog, so I'm going to go get a German Shepherd. Right. Because that's not going to – that means you're not prepared for all the things that 
you know, the dog is um, going to bring you or all the potential problems you might have uh, with that. So when we're looking at drive, we are going to um, just look overall first, maybe genetically, but then individually, right? Because just because you have a border collie doesn't mean they're necessarily going to have a high herding drive Mm -hmm. where um, there are some that are kind of that herding drive has been bred. So, you know, genetically bred out slowly, or at least lowering that need. Um, They might could look at a sheep and be like, whatever, I don't care. Right. But then you might have some dogs that are not meant to be herders that are wanting to herd. Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of things to think about. Yeah. 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 Um, So, you know, with drive in general, let's let's kind of talk a little bit about the different types. You have your herding drive, um, which is what we just talked about, which I think most people understand herding. Um, hunt drive. Uh, a lot of people put the hunt drive and prey drive in the same category. I don't typically put them necessarily in the same category as far as kind of what that motivation is. For me, hunt drive is what we wanted in search and rescue. And that's where a dog is putting that nose down or that nose up. They're looking for that um, that scent. They're following that scent. They're following that track. They're, you know, they're, the whole goal is the actual hunting aspect, right? not so much of the capture, right? Yeah, and that's something that you teach with the Go Hunt game for enrichment um, for your dogs who enjoy that and for problem solving. Um, we've started it with Myers uh, because that it. little nose is down all the time uh so which is because we're playing that game and he gets to use his nose there or with like a snuffle mat when we go for walks his nose is not down all the time right because he he's like oh okay i've been satisfied with this now i can just do a normal smell Mm -hmm. which is just kind of through the air but um but yeah that that hunt for me is it's more of like your scent hounds your sight hounds it's the um the pointer who has found uh you know, the the prey, but it's somebody else's job to flush it out and, right. and take care of it. Right. Um, not that they won't, they will, but for me, the, the prey drive is seeing that movement. The whole point is to capture, kill, put in mouth, carry, consume, possess, that it's more about the get, mm-hmm. not the um, travel. So the thing about it, it's like some people... Road trips for them, the actual driving is part, is their favorite part versus being there. Mm-hmm. I love to be there, right? I don't want to, I don't want the travel part. Yeah. So um, some people think that just the, the travel part is the fun part. For me, it's destination. So I think that would kind of give you an idea of that hunt and prey drive. Um, so not to say that hunt dogs are still not going to possibly go through that sequence of, um, you know, chasing down and getting. Um, but I think it's more of the hunt um, is uh, more exciting. And I think that for me, the hunt drive is actually easier to manage than your prey drive. Right. Yeah. Um, because you can you can definitely meet those needs through enrichment a lot easier than prey drive. Mm-hmm. But when we were doing, when we would test dogs for search and rescue, um, I would start them out um, – you know, doing a little bit of a hunt drive to see what their hunt drive was like. Uh, Because if they had a high prey drive, 
then they would get thrown off by chasing every wild animal in the woods. Right. Um, I needed more of a hunt drive, which is the whole aspect of, you know, yes, I'm going to get rewarded for finding that person or finding human remains, but it's the this the nose work that was more powerful. Right. Um, and if they had a, and I've tested some that had low hunt drives. Some dogs I tested where you think, huh, you know, they're not going to make a, they wouldn't make a good search dog. Yeah, they can. Um, if they have that desire, but they have to have the desire um, with that. Do you got anything on that one? Because you. No, I'm sort of thinking of a hunting dog, like a gun dog. Um, and that hunt drive. Uh, what is, in that case, is the hunt drive part of it going and retrieving the duck or, you know the quail or whatever is that the same thing is that sort of different i mean how is retrieving different than the hunt i think that with because i'm not i i I don't train hunting dogs or bird dogs or anything i would think just with my experience with it that for me the hunt drive is more about just the aspect of going and where you're retrieving is about possessing. Mm, Okay. Right. So um, I think it's more of that um, chase, but might be in a slow chase mode of chasing the scent, not necessarily chasing the prey. Um, So the hunt drives more chasing the scent, but for retrievers, I think it's more about that possession. Think about how many people have like golden retrievers where or Labradors, they come home and the dogs immediately pick something up in their mouth and carry yeah. it around and they yeah. have to have it in their mouth. Or like I tell people, I don't think retrievers are the best uh, family dogs if you have small children. Because they are mouthy. They're very mouthy. Right. Um, just like border collies, please don't get hurting breeds for small children and then complain when your dog, when your kids can't play in the backyard without your dog nipping them on the hills. I mean, come on, y'all. Unless you just want your dog to gather your children I mean, up if you for want, you. I mean, yeah, like for me, like <laughs> put them in a fence. I don't know. That's true. Like, <laughs> like you can't leave this area. <laughs> my Roddies were always really good at that at making sure everybody's, they would herd in a way that was um, not nippy. Right. They just use their body to be like, no, no. You go this way. You need to come back this way. Um, But yeah, I think it's more of that possession aspect. Um, You know, one thing that's kind of broken down is is when you're talking with dogs is their predatory motor sequence, which is basically the whole process of, you know, you can say hunting um, and what what dogs do and, and the way it typically goes and each breed might be stronger or skip one or two areas you have dogs typically that orient, they eye, they then stalk, chase, grab bite, kill bite, dissect, and consume. Now, they do have, some have tried to put like hunt is in there, um, but also even after the grab bite, it's more about possession. So I think that's where your retrievers come in, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to grab bite and they're going to possess it. Um, They're just going to carry it around. Because their job is to, you know, take it back without maiming it. Yes. I mean, it's already dead. But I mean. Because somebody else has killed it. Right. It's. So, yeah. yeah. Don't want it destroyed. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, obviously when you look at something like a border collie, you're going to have more of an eye and stalk. They're not grab bite. 
They're mm-hmm. not kill bite, right? They're not consuming. They are, um, their whole point and purpose is to herd whatever animal that is. And so they're not going to necessarily go through that um, entire motor sequence. Um, but then you have something like terriers. They're going to orient and then they're going straight for a kill bite, right? So dachshunds, Jack Russell terriers, um, they can, they were bred basically to go into the trenches and kill um, all the rats, the mice, um, and quickly. It, it, there was none of this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch you. I'm gonna stalk you. I'm gonna sniff you. No, it was. I'm, I'm gonna orient. I see where you are, and then I'm gonna grab you and I'm gonna kill you in one bite, and then move on to the next. And then I'm moving on to the next. And yeah. if you, if you look it up, it's really quite amazing in other countries how they've used Jack Russells to uh, clear out an area of too many rodents, mm-hmm. and um, how quickly they can can kill off rodents because they right. don't waste time. Right. And there's no um, playing with it, right? It's it's just a very – and not, there's no consumption. Yeah, there's not the dissect and No, it's this, I'm going in, I'm killing, and then we move on. Yeah. And, um, and that's very handy, but that's what they were bred for, mm-hmm. to clear them out so that the diseases were not carried over to the people. So – Right, and then we think, well, I have a Jack Russell. Why are they going after my cat? Oh, I have a Jack Russell. Why are they going after my my daughter's hamster? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like um, I have a Jack Russell Terrier. Um, you know, why are they? Um, you know, why am I finding uh, mice in my backyard and I don't have a cat? Right? Or I have Mol- a, moles. Moles. Yeah. I have a dachshund. I was going to go with that with the dachshund. Right? Dachshunds. They're going to, to also, they're going to have to dig a little bit more to get in there, but they're also um, pretty good about about that. Yeah. So we have to keep him, I mean, we have to stop looking at the size of dogs and say, oh, well, he's small. He's not going to bother anybody. He's not meaning any harm. Bullshit. That's what yeah. they're bred for. Yeah. And they were small because they need to be quick. They need to be in, get into small spaces. Uh, dachshunds are long so that if they got down in the holes, they could be pulled out by their tail. <laughs> So their so their tail is actually strong, so that you could pull them out. Poor little guys. I know they're amazing, though, right? Um, But yeah, when we are talking about just drive, we do want to think about there are different ones because you have dogs that are, um, we'll say, activity driven, right? That means that they just need to be doing something all the time, Mm -hmm. right? There's they don't care what it is. They just need to be going just some. They need to do something, right? Busy bodies. Busy bodies. So physical, mental um, stimulation is very important uh, to ensure that that is satisfied. Um, of course, if your dog is not genetically activity-driven, but they seem activity-driven, of course, you know me, I'm going back to nutrition. Are you feeding your dog a bunch of carbs, sugar? Um, you know, is their diet making them hyperactive? Because that can be an issue. Uh, but you also have dogs that are play-driven where they just want to play. Mm-hmm. Right now, this is not necessarily the dog who wants to fetch all the time, right? Fetching could be a prey-driven exercise. Um, if you throw a ball into high grass, it could be a hunting exercise, a hunt drive exercise, but just play drive. They just want to bring a toy and they're just like, play with me. I don't care what we play. Let's just play. I right. just want to play. Right. Right. Um, you've got your herding drive, obviously. Um, and then, um, you know, I have, I've had a few things where... Some have talked about the rank drive, which is basically saying a dog is all about 
the status in a pack, right? Dominant, alpha. I'm calling bullshit on that one um, because I don't think that across the board that that is a, a drive that affects a lot of dogs. So ex- explain how that works. I don't, I've never heard this term before. Yeah. So um, it, it's basically saying that they're going to um, compete to be the alpha. By doing what? Oh, beating up other dogs, making oh. them be submissive. You know, the crap that you hear. Oh, oh okay. Right? Cool. Yeah. Um, I just don't think it's a thing. I think that that majority of the dogs don't care. Um, that that status is not important, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think that's a human thing. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I just don't, I don't know. I think they maybe have a drive to know what the expectations are. Right. Right. They have the drive to know who is in charge, who does know better. Does that mean we need to be alpha? No. Mm-hmm. But we do need to set expectations. Right. So I don't know. I don't, is I don't that something understand you see more in like big cats in the wild where you do have that fighting for um, status? I think that if you or, see, and, and I'm not, I don't know much about the cats, but I, I would think. Just uh, that if you are seeing it, it's more about reproduction status, not alpha dominant. Uh, And really, truly, if you looked at it, it's all about reproduction. Right. Okay. It's who's getting to mate. Right. And that's why if we left talks to their own, um, we would probably have some amazing creatures that are mixed breeds if we allowed them to choose if they procreated or not. Mm-hmm. Right, so because stronger um, genes will prevail. Stronger genes will prevail. The, okay, right, and so when we you get dogs that have amazing genetics and they're this amazing dog, and we've already neutered or spayed them, we're not able to pass down those genetics. Mm-hmm. Right, we're not going to get rid of breeding dogs. It's it's not going to happen. I don't care how much spay and neuter we do, we're going to have unwanted dogs because the spay and neuter isn't the issue. It's it's the people. Um, which I'm all about spaying and neutering your dog. Don't get me wrong. But I do think that we need to stop taking every single dog and immediately spaying or neutering them. Um, Instead, why don't we take dogs and create better versions? Rather, you're saying rather than sort of your purebred breeders saying, hey, we can eliminate some of these behavioral issues that we have by having strong mixed dogs, mixed breed yes. dogs. Yes, okay. and, and the health, overall health, would probably improve. Right. Think about it. I have had, had a mixed breed dog that lived to be 17, and she only died because a dog got her in the jugular accident. Um, I think she would have lived to be 20. Mm-hmm. I had very little health problems from her. My Roddy's. Had all kinds of health problems. Died of cancer at 11. Mm -hmm. Um, Jake, mixed breed. Lived to be 16. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that when you allow the stronger genes to reproduce, you're going to get overall better health instead of, oh, let's let's go breed all these mixed poodles um, and let's just go for the look. Let's not worry about if we're actually giving good genes and passing those down. Um, so I don't know. I, th- I think it's we have to go back and think about why do we want dogs? Um, what's the point? What's our purpose? Um, what are our needs and desires? You know, but of course, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah.
It's a whole nother episode. Yeah. But anyway, spay and neuter your dogs, yes. But I do think that we need to look better at, hey, which mixed breeds do we do we breed? I mean, Myers, he would probably give off some really good offspring. Myers is an awesome dog. Not from what I've done, just with his genetics. Mm-hmm. He looks funny, but the dog is confident. He's social. He loves everybody. And we're certainly not advocating for puppy meals. Oh, I God, mean, no. Please, no. Where he's from. It's just... No, no, absolutely not. So happened that because of that situation... He's just got some really good genes. Yeah. Now, I don't know what his brother's like, but um, but yeah, I just think that... I don't know. I mean, you know, that's just... That's neither here nor there, I guess, right now. But <laughs> anyway, he is neutered. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think he would have made, I think he would have made some good dogs, yeah. genetically, not because he's cute, um, but genetically, uh, because I can take him. He's just willing to go anywhere and handle things yeah. really well. So yeah, that's all. That's all there. Um, so when we're talking with our prey drive, then um, which is the main issue that I think people run into. Um, where the dog is chasing anything that's quick and fast and um, quick movement. And their whole purpose is to capture mm-hmm. and maybe consume, right? Dissect and consume. And um, and I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble with the way they handle it by not giving an outlet, but um, also <sighs> mislabeling it as reactivity mm-hmm. when it's actual prey drive. Um, so, yeah, that's what we need to definitely get into. I think prey drive is where we need to really focus uh, the rest of this podcast on, yeah. um, just just on prey drive. Yeah. Uh, so, y'all, think about all the other drives you have, but now let's let's focus on prey drive moving forward here. Okay, so I had to take a quick break because I had to go to the bathroom. Um, I do want to say again, we advocate spay and neuter because I don't want to get hate mail. Um, I do think that if you're a responsible pet owner and you want to keep your dog intact for their health as some new studies come out, then be responsible and do that. Yeah, I think what we're mostly saying is we're not advocating for breeders. <laughs> no. I mean, but necessarily. I, right. Uh, but I think, I mean, we want to make good dogs. But maybe, maybe the breeding community should look at yes. maybe sort of changing what they do yes i, I think that's yeah. i think that's more of where my thought process yeah. is it's like okay if you're going to be breeding because yeah. i know be our breeder, rescue friends are right i know now, they're all freaking like, out sorry like, guys oh my god what are they talking about uh, yeah I, I, we just need to look at it differently like if that is your your profession and you're doing it responsibly maybe look at you know the good genetics and not yeah. just oh this dog is pretty you'd make pretty or, puppies and that's because that's what you hear oh he would make pretty puppies yeah. Okay, being pretty and having the right genetics, two different things. I mean, my dog's pretty. Your dog is gorgeous. She, But my God. There are some things. There are some things. <laughs> Please, let's not breed her, right? Exactly. Which you couldn't because she's been spayed for a while. But yeah, so anyway, I just want to, I don't want to get hate mail. Right, right. right. And I don't I mean, want to piss anybody off. Uh, I mean, I'm going to piss people off because I have opinions uh, and not everybody's going to have my opinion. But what I'm saying is... If you are in breeding dogs, if you're breeding dogs, then just let's look at the genetics instead of the looks of the dog. Mm-hmm. Talking mostly confirmation there, right? Let's, let's yeah. why don't we have competitions on genetics and how well do they match what they were bred for <laughs> versus how do they look, yeah. right? Um, 
Well, because there's a showman aspect right. of, of that, yeah. which we could go into. Uh, yeah, which was a whole other episode. All that bullshit. But um, Sometimes we go into a little rabbit hole and ranting on here for a second. Um, but yeah, anyway. And then if you have a dog that you're thinking, I don't want to, you know, spay or neuter, then be responsible. Don't let them get pregnant. Don't let them impregnate if that's not part of what you do. But if you want to keep them for their health, okay, whatever. Because I think more and more studies are coming out where dogs are they're recommending not spaying and neutering until after a year, right? And so a lot of people are freaking out about that. But and that's tough. Because I think more studies need to happen. Go through a heat cycle they about do. eight months, and it's, it's crazy. It's tough. Like who wants? But you know, regardless, I think you know whichever decision you make is just do your research. Be the be the responsible. It's definitely you know pet parent. As we continue on, we're always going to find new things. We're gonna. You know, especially, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't see studies in dogs as much as you do now, mm-hmm. right? But it's a it's a new world. Uh, so we're just all going to keep up with it, and our opinions will probably change over time and all that good stuff. Sorry, I see the reflection of the bar in the window, and I'm there, just like, man. Man, I wish we could have a drink. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's not unlike, it's, it's unlike us not to be drinking during our podcast um, recording. So, all right, so let's talk Prey Drive. Yeah. Um, you know... Your dog has prey drive. Mine does. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Isabella. She is, you know, she's not a, we got to get the DNA on her as well, but, um, you know, she's not a purebred border collie. And that's not to say that purebred border collies don't have prey drive. Um, I, I think they can and do and, and hurting breeds in general. Uh, but hers is, uh, hers is something. She um, loves squirrels. Mm-hmm. And um, you camp with her, mm-hmm. and you walk the campground, and you hike a lot. Mm-hmm. How's that been going for you? Um, mm, it varies. It really does vary. Um, in the campground, she's pretty good. She's not reactive towards them. Um, I guess this whole time I've just been thinking she's reactive. When and and not taking prey driving into consideration, and and because she's on a leash during the times that she tries to go after a squirrel or a small animal, so I'm like, oh, okay, she's reactive. Well, I know good and damn well from history that if she is given the opportunity to get that animal. She's going to do it. The reactivity part of it, the barking, the lunging, the whining, just the overall frustration and what looks like reactivity is coming from the fact that she's restrained um, and she can't get to it. And and we actually had an email from someone who says, you know, my my dog tries to go after things on leash and then actually turned around and bit me. Well, that was frustration from not being able to get to this thing, which can be reactivity and it can be sort of this this innate uh, drive that they're not able to fulfill. Like they can't get to it and they can't fulfill that. So in that situation, you sort of have to look at what's the motivation of, of the way the dog's acting. Obviously, turning around and biting um, the human is you know, just a redirect frustration. Um, But in Isabella's case, hers is prey drive that I'm shutting off. I'm just like, nope, sorry. Um, So when we were 
talking about this episode, it sort of clicked. Um, and we'll put some trigger warnings on this one because I know we're talking a lot about, you know, animals uh, getting killed and <laughs> that sort of thing. I, it's not something that a lot of people want to hear about. And I, I understand that. Um, we had a, a rabbit get into our backyard and I think we have a video of this, though, the drop it command that yes. you did with her. It yes. Was fantastic. Um, it's on the Facebook page. Yeah. And so she, her objective, this wasn't like another animal killed it and then brought it into our yard. This got into our yard. She grabbed it. It's happened twice uh, with the intention of eating it, consuming it. Um, so yeah, that was, that is prey drive. That's not reactivity. She was going after that with a goal. And then also it doesn't make her a vicious dog either. That's something else that a lot of people freak out about. They're like, oh my gosh, my dog's vicious. If that had been another dog, would they have gone after it? Or a cat. If it was my cat. We have three cats. Would it have gone? She does not do that too. Exactly. She, she will hurt the cat. Yes. Um, you know, and, and obviously integrating a cat or a dog into a home with cats. I mean, that's something that has to be worked on carefully, of course, uh, especially if this dog does have a high prey drive. Uh, but in this case, it was a hunt. It, like, I'm hunting this. I'm I'm, I'm going with oh, yeah. the intention of... It was a grab, bite, kill, bite. Yeah. It was one bite. And then I'm going to eat it. And then she wanted to consume it. Yeah. And... Which um, freaked me out real, real bad, but it's yeah. And it's then, good. and then I ended up getting it and, and throwing it over the fence, and the cats brought it back. And then I, then I called her dissecting and consuming, mm-hmm. and then that's where the drop it video came in, right? Because um, I had not taught drop it without having my hand on the item. Yeah, I didn't want to touch this. Um, not that it. I mean, it's fine. It was just you know, but. Uh, but yeah, it's, I don't, when I saw that, I don't freak out that, oh, is she going to do that to one of the cats? No. Or to a human. Or to a human or to a child. Or, yeah, exactly. you know, no, because she knows the difference between a rabbit and a cat, um, you know, and uh, yeah, but, and I couldn't, I couldn't be mad at her for it. Actually, I was really impressed because, I mean, poor Double D couldn't get to it, um, but Isabel was so fast. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that, that rabbit will somehow find its way out, or I'll get Isabella before she can get to it. Um, but I couldn't even get even a word out before she caught it. Mm-hmm. And it was one bite. Yeah. It was impressive. So I'm, I'll be curious to see if there's something in her DNA that, um, that shows that. Mm-hmm. Or is she just a dog who just likes who just has a who just has a high yeah. prey drive? Yeah, which again, dogs in general, that goes back to survival, the beginning of time. Yeah, the beginning of of dogs in general and canines, and that's that. That's what they. That's do. that's what they I do. Mean, it's that's like it. that's what wolves do. Yeah, it's so it, yeah. You know, it's normal. Yeah, it's and natural. our job is not to stop Isabella from having prey drive what i would like to do is control that prey drive so that she's not yanking your arm out or your waist because you've got on a waist leash that Mm -hmm. she's not yanking Mm -hmm. when she sees a squirrel Mm because that drives me crazy when i see that happen 
Yeah. And I literally, I want to, I, I, you don't do anything. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why won't you walking. work on that? We just keep walking. Oh my God, it drives me crazy. <laughs> so we've had a lot of people ask, like, what, what do I do to sort of curb or control this? Or, I mean, just keeping wildlife safe or, um, you know, people who have chickens. Oh, yeah. Or, um, you know, birds, um, far, you know, farms and things like that. Uh, what do I do to keep other animals safe um, in those situations? So I want to start out kind of talking about uh, puppyhood. What can we do during puppyhood? Mm-hmm. And um, I think if you're talking prey drive in general, um, with puppyhood, I would probably, you know, again, if it's genetic, you're not, you're not going to get rid of it, right? But I think that when you have like genetics like that, I think there are things that we can do to not nurture it, right? So if you can think about having prey drive as a seed and, um, oh my goodness, y'all, I just had to stop for a second. Just turn around. To, oh, is he going to, well, just look, look at that. Y'all slabs of meat just walked through here. I am hungry. Obviously. Sorry. Um, when it comes to your prey drive, um, so I think, think of it as a seed, right? So genetics, you could say this gene is like a seed, right? We can't necessarily, we can't smother the seed. It's not going to go anywhere, but I think we can not water it, mm-hmm. right? Not put, uh, uh, what's the potting, not potting soil, but Fertilizer. Fertilize, right? We're not fertilizing it. So what can we do to not nurture that, not necessarily kill it, but not nurture it? And I think one of the things is, is I'm going to take dogs that are puppies, and I'm not necessarily going to play chase games with them unless it's a controlled game. You know, in other words, I'm not going to play chase where they pick up a toy and I'm chasing them or vice versa. I'd rather have it more in controlled fashion, mm-hmm. right? So when you put it on command. And there's a reward at the end of it and and things of that. Um, things like um, I'll play tug, but I'm not going to necessarily let the dog do a bunch of shaking back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. Will that fix anything? No, they're probably going to do it, but can we just not nurture it in that moment until the dog has the ability to have the control of using it, mm-hmm. right? It's like if I have a Border Collie pup, I'm not going to let it as a puppy go out and chase the kids while the kids are laughing and giggling and mm-hmm. running from this dog. Mm-hmm. And then bitch later that my two-year-old border collie is biting the ankles of my kids and my kids' friends. Right. I mean, let's let's think about this. Whatever happens in that small hood, in that puppyhood, you're going to get that the older they get, and it's going to become worse. The dog's going to be faster, whereas a puppy, maybe he didn't catch the kids. And if he did nip, it didn't really hurt. They're tenacious, man. They're tenacious, right? Then they get bigger, they're going to be faster, and they're going to, that's mm-hmm. got more jaw power. Mm-hmm. So I think starting out as puppies, we don't necessarily nurture that. However, I do think we need to give them outlets. So if I have a dog with prey drive, I want to set up games, um, like using a flirt pole. Mm-hmm. Right to where they can chase that, and it's controlled. It's on command. It's it's um, given permission to do so. Um, but I also have a stop button mm-hmm. or a end of game command. 
I'm going to, um, you know, find other ways to um, let them chase something. And, and that can be through just playing or it could be through uh, competitions. Like they have some, uh, you know, when people think about dog competitions. People think about fly ball, agility, um, nose work games are great for the hunting dogs um, or the for the hunting drive. Um, but one of the things that if you're looking at like prey drive that they have, um, it's called terrier racing. I, I think there's probably another name for it, but terrier racing, basically where uh, terriers are chasing a lure around a course. And the course could be 150 to 200 feet long. Um, and typically it's made like a square course. And um, it's usually something really soft and fun with um, a, an, a wild animal scent to mm-hmm. it. And, um, and basically they get to chase this in competition, I guess, whoever's the fastest or whoever catches, I don't know all the details. Um, but I also do think that they most of the time muzzle these dogs. Um, so that I guess because they don't want their scented toy to be destroyed every time Mm -hmm. a dog is, is racing. Um, but that's a really fun one. And just to preface this, this is not, um, dog racing as in like greyhound racing. This is an actual, um, sort of friendly type competition. Yeah. Competition. It's all pet dogs. This is not, and it's, some, it's like a nose work, but yes, it's, this is not something people are betting on. This is not oh, something yeah, no. where dogs are kept in crates. And so no, please no, we're not advocating for that sort of dog sport. Um, right. That's not what this is. Cause I, I believe in greyhound racing. There is, uh, is there a lure or prey that they're Yes, chasing? there is a lure. Um, yes. Around. Okay. So, and, but we know the abuses that go on there. That's yes, not that's, what we're talking yeah, about. This, this is, is this is not this what we're is pet about. dog competitions similar to your fly ball, uh, similar to your agility. Yeah, type rally things. obedience. It's yeah, just all about teaching the dog to do it. And yeah, it's it's more of an en- start finish. enrichment sort of thing. And it's you know there are rules there that you put in place for the game. Yep, that's it, that's what it is. It's a game. It is a game. It's a game, and, and, and it's a game that meets your dog's genetic needs. Right. Um, the other one that I really like. It's been around for quite a while as well as the earth dog trials where uh, you also have these these terriers, dachshunds, where they track the odor Mm -hmm. of either um, bait, which would be something like a a, a scented toy, Mm -hmm. um, or they'll actually use live mice or rats in a cage. So... The rat or the mouse, the mouse, whatever is um, safe, but they get to see that that's there, right? So, so that it's nobody's like, hey, again, I, nobody's getting hurt. Like, hey, I found it. Oh my god, I found it, right? And then, and, like, you reward the dog. And they've literally yeah. made like underground tunnels for this. Mm-hmm. And I believe there is a competition that uh, I don't remember the name of it to where it's like the Olympics of dogs, and this is part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is, it's, it's really cool because it allows the dog to do something instead of digging up your yard to China, right? right when you say right. my dog hug, dug a hole to China, um, yeah, they, they probably would do well in the earth dog trial. Right, right, exactly. So it's, there are, there are ways to meet those needs. Um, but there are also other ways that we can handle things with prey drive. Um, let's say as an adult, um, one thing you want to do is understand your dog's prey drive. Uh, if you don't understand it, you're going to get frustrated. Um, but understanding what's the motivation, right? And, and what's the dog's purpose? Because 
um, you know, Isabella's purpose is to kill bite, grab bite, kill bite, dissect, consume. Whereas maybe your golden retriever is, uh, which is not all true golden retrievers because Heather, who y'all heard on the podcast last week, has a golden retriever who is all about hunting with the prey, mm-hmm. um, with the grab bite, kill bite, mm-hmm. dissect and consume, um, which now means that because on her property, she uses a leash on them, uh, or, or well, it's two of them, but on the one golden, uh, so that he, so that he's not doing that mm-hmm. because we know that he's going to do it. It's just a fact of life, but. Um, Understanding kind of what that looks like and what the purpose is, because if you know that your dog wants to chase it but not kill it, then relax, All right? If your dog just enjoys chasing the squirrel up the tree and then treeing it, yay, good. Mm-hmm. Don't automatically assume your dog is trying to chase a squirrel to eat it, mm-hmm. right? Um, that, and that'll help you kind of stay a little more relaxed. We know that Isabella wants to to kill, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so we want to make sure that <laughs> we're keeping them. Sounds like it's like a murderer. Well, and, you know, and it's funny because when she was a puppy, and the way she plays tug, and the way she does a big shaking of the head, she is totally into that kill bite yeah. mode, right? Yeah. Um, so, understanding it first and foremost. The other is we definitely need to make sure that we are practicing appropriate control, like teach some good self control, teach some really good um, cues to what your dog is going to be good at. Those leave it calm. Um, stop, whatever, if you have an emergency command, um, something. And then using a long leash to help work that can really uh, be beneficial, right? Because mm-hmm. for me, if I have a dog who just likes the chase, then and I tell my clients this, find somewhere where there are squirrels, put your dog on a 30 to 50 foot long lead, um, walk them on a shorter leash. When, they, when you see a squirrel, they see a squirrel, give them a command to go chase it. And release the leash or at least let the leash out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make sure that you're within the leash length and the dog's on a harness so you're not <laughs> choking the dog. Um, but it just allows the dog to do that chase. If I saw a squirrel, um, you know, and I, well, you know, and I did this with my Roddy. Tiba loved to chase cats. She loved cats. Yeah. She never hurt them. Yeah, She loved to chase them though. It was just fun for her. But I taught her that you, you're not allowed to chase a cat unless I give you the cue. Unless they give you the command to do so. Mm-hmm. And the way I taught that was using a longer leash to where if we saw a cat, I would reward her for not chasing. And then I would give her the cue to go chase, let her chase a little bit. And then we'd stop and I'd reward her and we'd move on. Poor cat. <laughs> well, it was her own cats. Oh. So she was allowed. <laughs> okay. But I did have a client one time where I was using um, I was using Tiba. And when I was using Tiba, um, I didn't have to have anybody... With her, so if I was using her for like a reactive dog, um, I would have her in a stand stay uh, off leash. She was really good. I could, she could be at a way a good distance, and I would have her just move a couple steps at a time. She was such a good dog. Um, and I'll never forget this one client. Um, there was this cat that kept coming out and looking, and you could see Tiba was like in her stay, but she was looking at that cat like, "Oh my god, I, I've, I've got to work." I, I, I'm like, and after. She got really good. I knew that she wasn't going to hurt the cat. I released her and let her go chase the cat. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It was great. She had a great time. She chased the cat. And then, you know, she didn't even get to it because she was a little, she wasn't as fast as she thought she was. <laughs> and I just called her back and we went on her about her, about our day. Mm-hmm. But it's about giving them the opportunity. I can't, you don't want to stop the desire. You want to take that desire and put it into something else. Yeah. 
And that is where um, doing things like flirt pole or giving them an opportunity to do it um, in a safe environment, mm-hmm. right? Um, the other one that I have used with clients is putting um, something fuzzy on a remote control car. <laughs> oh, yeah. That one is... That one's fun. Successful. Right? Or if you have an, um, an all-terrain vehicle... Um, or, or a cart, something like that. You could do it with that. Mm-hmm. Um, tying a rope with, you know, with something on the end of that, just to give them that outlet. Now, um, you do want to make sure that you're always prepared, that you know that there's an opportunity. If you're walking a dog and you know you have a lot of rabbits in your neighborhood, then know where those rabbits live. Know um, that that's a possibility, that they're going to be there when you're walking. Do you just go from burrow to burrow knock on the door and be like hey case just just, <laughs> just checking to see how many of you like a census yeah. of rabbits like i need to know how many you uh how many live here three okay okay no. cool. oh, you just had one move out okay so just two okay right. uh yeah great um <laughs> but being prepared and, and rewarding finding a reward for your dog right so if i have a dog who loves that kind of that prey and i know it's not a situation where they can go and uh, chase at that moment. Maybe I carry a tug toy with me. Maybe I carry a fuzzy tug toy. And when they we get close, and they, you know, oh, that's a good puppy. And then I reward them for not chasing by letting them tug with this, mm-hmm. right? I don't know, just finding that kind of outlet to so whatever that dog really likes. But that's again understanding that motivation. What does your dog really want? Right. Um, and so being prepared and knowing the area that you're in, so that you're not getting caught off guard. Setting up training sessions. Um, if you have a lot of squirrels in your backyard, again, setting up training sessions, you know they're out there at a certain time. If you know deer out there at a certain time, then go practice. Practice, t- you know, rewarding your dog for leaving it alone. Try to find something that's more rewarding than the chase or the capture. Um, and, and that's, again, meeting those needs elsewhere. Because if you say, look, look, Fluffy, if you just wait on me, to tell you to go hunt, you are 100% guaranteed to earn a reward. But if you go hunt on your own, there's probably only about a 10% chance that you're going to get a reward. So if you just wait on me and wait for, wait and hold your energy for that time, those natural genetics should kick in to say, you know what, why am I going to waste my energy over here to go hunt when I don't get anything? Because if I waste my energy and don't get anything, ooh, my survival rate goes down. Mm-hmm. But if I just wait until my upper management tells me to go hunt, I get a 100% chance. Yeah, that's what I'm going to put my energy into. Mm-hmm. Right? So it makes sense um, when we start to think about it. I'm also training your dog to not only have a good leave it, uh, but you need to have a really good recall. Your dog needs to have a really good come. When I say come, I need you to come immediately. And this is where I think a lot of people make mistakes where they don't teach their dog to turn on a dime and come. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do when I'm working come is uh, I use a long leash and um, I'll allow the dog sometimes to go to the end of that 30 foot leash before I call them. But many times I will call them after they've taken like six steps from me. Yeah. Right. So they, they start to learn that it can happen at any time. Not just, oh, I'm at the end of the leash. I feel the pressure. Okay. They're going to call me. And that's, that's the cue that they're going to call me is the, the pressure. So teaching a dog to come on a dime, um, which is really important. I'll never forget. I've, <laughs> um, 
I let Tiba and Dan chase some deer at a park once. Mm, that was probably bad. But uh, we were just hanging out in the woods, and there were some deer. And I was like, go for it. And there they went. And I lost sight, lost everything of them. And just like maybe 30 seconds later, here they came. Here come the deer. And here come my dogs. And I was like, all right, that's enough. And I just called them to me, and they came. Right? They got that little fun. But that only happened because I had a good solid recall in. Um, now, if you have a dog that you know has high prey drive and um, will chase anything that moves, including cats, um, then you have no no other option but to muzzle train your dog. Yeah, you've got to keep other animals safe. Um, and I'm not, not I'm not talking wildlife. If my dog loves wildlife, I, I'm not going to muzzle my dog for that. But for domesticated animals, if your dog chases small animals that you know a small little Yorkie that mm-hmm. looks like a you know a little rat, um, you need to muzzle train your dog. Um, and I'm talking basket muzzle. Um, along with the training that you're doing, but it's, you've got to keep the dogs or the other creatures safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've not done muzzle training, you need to. And uh, Britt was supposed to be on this a while back with her, <laughs> with her dog. Uh, she's not done it yet. No, I do not. think, again, I still think that every dog needs to be acclimated to a basket muzzle. Um, and you can learn how to do that through the Muzzle Up Project. Uh, just search Muzzle Up Project. I think it's Muzzle Up dot org or muzzleupproject.org um, but just look up muzzle up project and it'll give you all the information you need on a basket muzzle we've got to stop thinking of basket muzzles in a negative way yeah um because when people do really need it they don't want to do it for fear of what people are going to think of their dog right um and that we need to stop that we, one we need to stop worrying about what other people think we need to keep our dogs safe and keep them in safe situations but definitely keeping other uh you know little creatures uh, or domestic animals safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely muzzle up uh, with your dog. Um, but, but you know, again, uh, you've got your dogs that have high prey drive. You've got some that have low prey drive. You have some that have zero prey drive. Um, obviously, with your high prey drives, you're, you're looking at some of the normal retrievers, terriers, um, you know, mm, <sighs> Even uh, Malamutes, a lot of people don't think about that, right? They just see these big fluffy dogs. Um, your Border Collies, your Boxer, all high prey drive, mm-hmm. right? So, again, if you have small creatures around the house or you have feral cats or neighborhood cats or you have cats yourself and you want to bring a Boxer in, start teaching your Boxer early on how to um, live with a cat and how not to to chase the cat, but also don't make it such a negative association where you're screaming at your dog every time it's chasing the cat because that's not going to fix anything. Right. Um, Obviously, your low prey drive dogs, you're looking at things like, you know, your smaller dogs, your pugs, your, um, you know, cavies, your Bichons, um, but even the larger dogs like a Great Pyrenees. (laughs) You don't, there's, there's, there's no prey drive there. Um, Which there's, I mean, for their job, it would be bad. If it would they be had so it. bad, yeah. right? It's like, please don't, please don't be eating the animals the you're supposed yeah. to be protecting. Um, so, I, you know, overall, I, I think, I think people just need to understand when you have that prey drive, when you have that high drive, whatever high drive it looks like, don't try to suppress that in your dog. Um, and I, and a lot of aversive trainers do that. They try to suppress the behavior. They're like, well, just put a shock collar on him. And when he starts to chase the deer, you just tell him not to, and then you beep it, and then you shock him. 
and he'll learn not to do that. Okay, if it's not the deer he's chasing, it's going to be something else. And then that frustration is going to kick in. And then it's, okay, every time I see this critter, something happens, so I'm already frustrated, I'm already on edge, I'm already anxious, and now I'm just going to bite the closest thing that's near me. Right. So please, 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 please don't be using aversive techniques to stop genetic behavior. Find a way to incorporate it into your dog's life if genetically that's what they do, okay? Um, And when you're talking like reactivity, your reactivity is going to happen based on an emotional response, typically a fear base. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's created with that negative association, right? So um, your reactivity, your prey drive, not, not the same thing. Uh, so um, be aware of that. And I don't think we talked as much about reactivity, um, but we have several episodes yeah, on reactivity. Yeah. But just know that, that there is a difference, um, and you want to be aware of that. But yeah, um, just, you know, understand your dog. Is that, isn't that what we kind of always end up saying? Yeah. Just please That's understand what, your yeah. dog, respect your dog, know what you're getting before you get it, know how to take those genetic needs and put it into something positive. You know, right. You got any lasting words on that? No, I'm I just, mean, uh, you know, doing, still doing the geek out session here, honestly. Um, I know these helmets are phenomenal. I know, like huge shout out to Steve and Jerry Spurrier for this. Uh, and for the legacy. Yeah, this is fantastic. And uh, thanks to the staff here for pretty amazing this up and, and letting people use this room yeah it's pretty amazing i think that's a really cool thing that they do yeah um that that you're able to reserve this and use this uh it's it's really cool yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah what was that noise i feel like there was something i don't know um is it the ghost of steve spurrier no um dude is still alive i don't think that's yeah, how it he works. is okay. yeah but that's how amazing he is though he can be in both worlds at the same time that's how talented he is oh lord okay you know what well, we we got to get we, ready to go to a softball. We got to go. We got to so, go watch softball, go. y'all. Yeah, um, really excited about that. We will get this uploaded though for you before we do that, uh, so that you guys can enjoy this and enjoy our ranting um, because it's what we do, and yeah. uh, we try to make you better parents, dog parents, dog owners. Hey, maybe we can try to make you better people, parents. Yeah, you know, with uh, with things. Which, yeah. uh, speaking of, we are going to have Anna skates on. Um, Next week, um, when we get back into town, and, and she is a child advocate, um, parenting coach. And so we're going to talk with her about, you know, sort of the similarities in respectful parenting and positive dog training. So, yeah. And I think I also want to talk about how, as parents, um, and how parents can communicate with their children on how to treat animals. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Especially if they don't have them. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, because growing up, I never had animals in the house. Yeah. Absolutely not. We had dogs outside, you know, but I think it's important that whether you have dogs or not, or or any animal, that we teach our kids how mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. treat them because I guarantee they have friends that have animals right. in exactly. the house uh, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I think that about sums it up. I, I thought I had one other thing, but then again, I'm just like looking around, just waiting for distracted. Uncle Steve to walk in. Just distracted. Just distracted. Um, oh, I know. We need to also upload that picture of me and that gator. Um, one of my favorite pictures is me and my in the gator football uniform. Oh yeah, yeah, y'all. That was awesome. 
Um, anyway, yeah, I'm a dork. Okay. I know, but you know, that's let's just go, the way it goes. Let's go have We're some gonna go, burgers uh, and burgers uh, and uh, watch some soap on you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week, and uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Don't forget to rate and review and share this podcast. Share our, our podcast with everyone you know, uh, because uh, yeah, that's how more and more people find us, and that's how um, you know maybe we can get invited to come back and do a episode with steve uncle steve does uncle steve even have a dog does he have a dog he needs a dog he needs a dog all right love you guys have a great week